So welcome, Ten Strike Church. First thing we want to say is, um, so after the meal today, or after the service today, uh, we'd like to invite you to join us in fellowship. We have a meal. The youth have uh, prepared a, a barbecue pulled pork. So pretty nice. We got plenty of it. Um, so be excited for that. Um, so next thing, I think we have a report on the building fund, maybe. Pop that up. All right. So our total goal, 35,000, and we're given so far uh, 30,888.85, so 4,111.15 cents to go. So the, the boxes are in the back. If you'd like to give towards that, just indicate that. Um, we'd be very thankful. Um, we're excited for what we're doing there. Um, good things coming. Um, and the boxes are in the back. We don't pass the plate around. So this morning... Uh, I'd like to tell you about uh, something I was doing this last week. I didn't prepare this ahead of time, so if I'm a bit scattered, forgive me. But um, two days ago, I was standing uh, on the top of a mountain at uh, 12,804 feet. And um, if you're like me, numbers don't do a whole lot, so I'll, I'll try to paint you a picture. Standing on the top, I could see in all directions. I could see hundreds of miles every, every which way, mountains farther than the eye could see from the bottom over the curvature of the earth, right? Um, at one point, I was looking out, um, and if you can imagine, there was a small plane at eye level with me flying right here. So that's about how high I was. Um, and I'm no mountaineer, but I'd like to, to tell you a couple things about um, climbing a mountain and what it takes. Um, it takes time, <laughs> and it takes patience. Um, it doesn't take, you, you don't do it in, in one big bound. You're not from the bottom to the top. Um, you take it one step at a time. And there are times when it's not easy to take that next step. There are times when you're looking straight up and you, you don't know if that next step is going to be very easy. And it's not. It takes a lot of effort. And you have to plan each step. Each step is, uh, isn't something that you just take willy-nilly. It's something that you carefully pull yourself up, one, sometimes one hand over the next, right? And there are times when you can't, you can't quite see the top, right? There are times when it, you're, you're underneath the shelf of the mountain, and so what you're, you're aiming for, your goal, is, is hidden from you. And it seems like what you're going through at the moment is, is maybe more difficult than it's worth. <laughs> and it seems like maybe the end goal is farther away than you, you anticipated. Um, and as I was climbing this mountain, I had a, I had a lot of time to think. <laughs> it's kind of quiet. Uh, you can just, there's just the wind uh, to kind of keep you company uh, in your own, the sound of your own breathing, right? So I had a lot of time to think. And I was thinking about um, the story that Jesus tells about the master and his three servants, right? And to each servant, he gives a portion. Um, and he gives one, right, a large amount of money. There's a medium amount of money and a small amount of money. And the two guys who have the more money, they go out, right, and they make the more money, right? They, they go out and they make more money with the money they're given. And, and sometimes, and then we, of course, there's the one servant who, who hides his money, right? And he's called the wicked servant. And sometimes we hear that story, I think, and what we hear is, oh, well, what, what we should be doing is we should just have the more right away, right? If we're given more, we should just be out doing more. But if we're given less, then that's just too bad. And, 
And I guess I just want to encourage us this morning that I think the purpose of that story isn't to say that we just need to be at the top of the mountain right away, right? Um, the purpose of that story is to say that whatever you're given, you need to be obedient with that. That whatever that next step is, you need to take it. Um, no matter how small it may seem um, at the time, no matter how difficult it may seem to take that next step, um, you need to be obedient in only that. Um, that's what the Lord's looking for, is to be obedient in that very next step. Um, and even if it doesn't seem like it, it's building to something greater. Yeah. I had something else to say about it. <laughs> Give me a moment. And so here's the thing is that, I, I guess I want to encourage us, is it's not always going to be valleys. It's not always going to be a place, maybe you're in a place where you see something in your life that's, that seems larger than life. It seems like more than you can handle. Maybe that's financial, maybe it's relational. Um, maybe you saw last week there was the revive going on, and maybe you didn't join up because maybe there was some fear in you. Maybe there were some things where you said, well, I don't know if I can be a part of that. Maybe I don't know if I can be the person who goes out and changes the world, right? Um, and I think what the Lord wants to, for us to see is that whatever it is we're given, we just need to be obedient with that. Um, and what it, but what it takes sometimes um, is some work. Because here's, here's the thing about climbing a mountain is if, if you stay at the bottom, you're going to stay at the bottom of the mountain. If you don't take that next step um, up towards the top, you're never going to reach the top. If you stop two feet from the top, you're not at the top, Right? If you turn around and say, well, I've gone far enough, then you're never really going to overcome whatever it is in your life. Um, and so here's, a, here's another thing about climbing the mountains I was also thinking about just as we were worshiping today, is that that's what we're doing today, is we're getting prepared, right? Because what it takes to climb a mountain is you don't just do it, you get prepared, right? Um, there were times when we had to bring water, right? We had to stay hydrated. There was times when there was ice fields that were straight up where we had to wear spiky shoes, shoes with uh, inch-long uh, metal spikes so that we could climb up. We had to prepare ahead of time. We had to think ahead of time. So I guess what I want to paint for us this morning is that if we want to stand in a place where we're looking over everything and we're in a place where God says, this, is where you, this was your goal, this is where you're at, um, if we want to get to that place, um, we need to spend time like this, right, preparing ourselves, but then we need to go out and take it with us. If I didn't take those spiky shoes, couldn't climb that snow field, right? So whatever we're doing today, whatever we're thinking about in this building, take it with you out into the streets. Take it with you out to your job. Take it with you to your family. And be obedient in those small steps, because eventually those do build up to that mountain high. All right, so Father... We thank you that you are taking us to new places, taking us farther than we imagine we can go. Maybe we're in a place where we can't see the end result. Maybe we're in a place where the goal seems too far, too high to reach. The next step maybe seem too difficult. But we know through you that you never give us anything that you can't already do through us, Jesus. We know that there's nothing that you can't do in us. So we pray that we would realize that and just live it out this week, live it out this month and this year, that wherever we're at now, we'd be able to look down upon it later and say, look where I was and look where I am now in you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
Amen. Good job. Good job. You know what? I'll take that. Thanks. Thank you, Peter. So how do we climb a mountain? One step at a time. Thank you, Lord, for that. There are a few announcements I want to give here. Yes, uh, Peter mentioned the fellowship meal. We also have a serving opportunity. We, will, we still have an opportunity for serving in our audiovisual, actually it's computer-focused area of the, that ministry. So you could talk to me or to John Cooley about this. Um, and we can, especially John could explain it more, what that need is. And then also we have a mission offering opportunity Herb Bromenschinkel, um, I'll just read this, it'll be easier. You can give to help finance a pastor's conference in Kenya that Herb Bromenschinkel will be teaching at in August. Indicate the gift on an offering envelope and place in the box. By next Sunday, that will be. Um, and here's a note that Herb had written. He said, the pastor's conference is something myself and the team leader offered to put on the size has grown larger than expected. We are hoping to get some type of study Bible or devotional as a gift for those who attend. As it is, we're concentrating now on funds for some water, food, and minimal help with transportation for the, for the pastors. And this is something where they come from miles and miles walking a lot of times. And, and so... We'll have a Revive Minnesota announcement in just a moment. But also for next Sunday, I want you to know we will be partaking with the Lord's Supper together next Sunday. And also we'll be having a pop blessing next Sunday. You know what a pop blessing is? It's like a pop, it's a potluck. It's bringing something to share. Um, and then also next Sunday, the baby bottle return day. That's for the Northwoods Pregnancy Center. And so, if you have, um, you know, that baby bottle, if you didn't get one yet, I think there may still be some, there's some available, probably on the welcome table. We'll make sure there's some back there, Darlene, if we could make sure there's some back there, um, that'd be great. But next Sunday, we will bring those in, and thank you, Lord. Um, Pastor Kent is going to share... Uh, an update with Revive Minnesota, and I actually, you know what, as you're standing here, I'll give this to you, uh, but I, I'll give just a little bit of an introduction here, I believe. Uh, I had a message prepared, and really it was centering on the art piece, the God-inspired, I call it a prophetic art piece that, that Sue and Tassel, and we can put that up if we get the picture up there. Uh, you probably, most of you have seen it, it's right on the south wall of the foyer as you come through these doors. And it's, it's Radiate Minnesota. And uh, we've just been through a week or more of what we have called Revive Minnesota and uh, Revive Headwaters. And you can see here, 
that the scripture that Sue used was, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. It's looking to him together. And that's what my sermon was. What I'm getting though is, I'm not sure I'm gonna get to that sermon. We will get to it. I'm just not sure it's gonna get there today. Let's go to that next picture. It's a more of a close-up. And you can see the, the, I believe it's copper, is showing the radiating. And actually, Tint Strike is even on this map. Do you see that? Right in the middle there, that's, of course, where our church house is here. And so that's where it's showing radiating, and it's through the whole, you might call it the headwaters area. Um, you see Lake Bemidji there, just our area where most of, most of us are from. It's an old map, so it's different than ones you would see today, but it's still the same area. And radiate the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God. Uh, and that was the, the idea of this um, week of meetings there actually was lots of prayer before these meetings it wasn't just to have a, a a week where everything was at a different level or intensified or whatever but it would be something that would change the culture among us as, as believers in our local churches but among us as churches right. and part of it that we aren't separated we're one in christ with other churches other places of meeting where believers meet. We do have a home church, but we're all the body of Christ together. But then that this love of Christ would be going out regularly and not just for one week. So Kent is going to share a little more about that and, and uh, give an announcement, but also I believe there's some words of just follow up from that that Amen. we're going to be sharing here. So. If you could find Luke chapter um, 9, verses 1 and 2, put it up on the screen. I'm going to step down here. I'll fall off the stage if I stay up there. <laughs> I'm a roamer. I'm a roamer. Good morning, everybody. How many of you are disciples of Jesus Christ this morning? Are you born again? Are you saved? Then put your hand up in the air. Yes, yes. Let me look around. If you're not saved, we'll lead you to Jesus right now. If I see anybody's hand is not up, we'll, we'll pray with you and bring you to the King of Kings. Amen? We're all disciples of Christ. And so this past week, what our hearts have been filled with is, first of all, love. Can you say love with me? Love. love. Say it again. Love. Because of the greatest of these three, faith, hope, and what? Love. The greatest of these is love. If I don't care about Dan first, I'm never going to touch his life for Jesus. I need to love you. I need to love my father-in-law. If I'm going to do anything in his life that would bring him closer to Christ, I have to love him first. Okay? So this is the motivation of everything that we need to do is love, love, love. And so we got together for a week, and it was, you're right, it didn't end on Wednesday. It just started this week. It just started this week. That this is a way, I'm waiting for that scripture, if we can find it. Luke chapter, it's, it's up there. So everybody here is a disciple, amen? 
Everybody, we agree with that? Okay, here's our calling. Then he called the 12. How many disciples did Jesus have? Say it loud. 12. That's all he had. So he called who? All of them. Called every one of them together. And he gave them what? Power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's our calling. We're sent. We're sent. We need to go out and touch lives. What Revive brought to the church here in Bemidji and the surrounding area was a unified effort of going out. How many have heard the prophecies that in Minnesota at the headwaters, revival's going to start? How many, how many years have we heard that? Someone told me this week, I think it's been 40 years. 40 years. That kind of stirred something in me that was not a positive thing. It was a negative thing. Because I remember, how long did the children of Israel wander in the wilderness? Anybody remember? They wandered for 40 years after they were told what? That's your land. Go get it. That's your land. Go take it. Right? And so they started doing things their own way, and they started getting committees, and they started getting groups, and they started getting all this prepared, but they never took it. And guys, this is what this is all about today. This prophecy is amazing, but a prophecy, if it's not put to feet and hands, is never going to come to pass. And so we have to take the ark, so to speak, the word of God, the living Christ, and we have to step in the waters like the Levitical priests did. And when they stepped in the Jordan River, guess what? The river had not parted yet. It wasn't until after they took a step of faith and put their feet in the water, and I have a feeling that about two more steps, they were going to be up to their nose in water. And so they were saying, God, we're going in. If you don't do something, we're going to drown, but we're going in. And guess what God always does? He always does something. Amen? And so they were going in, and the waters parted, and they went into the promised land, and they took the prophetic that was given to them, not by means of just prayer. Now listen, we need to pray. Do you believe in prayer? James said this, though. He said that faith without what? Works. So faith will bring us to prayer. Faith will bring us to fasting. Faith will bring us to a lot of those things. But if we don't take it to the next level, he said that our faith ends up being what? Kind of diminished? Is that what he said? Our faith is cute and it, it's fluffy? No. What did he say? Say it loud. Come on. Dead. Our faith is dead. There's more to our Christian walk and our calling than just being people of faith, just being people of prayer. We have to get our feet on the ground. Amen? And we have to get involved. Every one of us is called. We, there, there are certain ministries that the Bible says he gave some, right? It says he gave some apostles, prophets, teachers. Then there were other commands that were given to all. 
Every one of us has the commission to share the gospel when we go out. Every one of us. I was talking to Wade Aaron. He's one of the leaders from Revive Minnesota. Friday morning, I got a hold of him. We were talking back and forth about this event. He said, Kent, something greater than you realize is happening in, the, in that headwaters area. But he said, it's going to take an effort of everyone to see it come to pass. And he gave me a verse, Proverbs 28, verse 1. Pastor Dean, if you could find that one or whoever's running the, the visual. 28, Proverbs 28, 1. And he said that the righteous are to be courageous like a lion. Think about that. How many of us have been afraid to share our faith at times? How many of us have been afraid to speak out at times? I want to just give you a testimony. So the tent is still up, but the Revive team was gone. Everything was done. And Friday morning, I was taking Victoria to the clinic. Daniel was dragging on me like he always is. So the three of us headed into Bemidji, and this scripture was burning in my heart. God, make me courageous. I said, Lord, make me courageous today. Beep, beep, my gas light started flashing. I pulled into Pete's place. God, make me courageous today. I filled up with gas. I went in. I paid, and I looked at the teller, and I said, Ma'am, how can I pray for you today? And her eyes got big, and then she went, My adult kids need prayer. They're a mess. Took her hand. Father, bless. I said, My kids, too. I got some messed up kids. I said, Lord, bless my kids. I put myself right on her level. Bless my kids, bless her kids, Father, in Jesus' name. Have a great day. And she went, I said, what's your name? She says, my name is Ann. I said, I'm Kent. Jesus loves you. And as I'm walking away, she goes, ah, thank you. Thank you. So I had done my good deed for the day. I can take my gun stock and write it in there. And no, 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 no. Now my heart was burning all of a sudden. I took Victoria to the clinic, and a, a volunteer brought us in and sat us down, and I looked at her, and she was walking with a walker, and I said, tell me what's going on. I have such and such an issue with my body. I said, could I pray for you? Yes. Laid hands on her in Jesus' name, and we prayed. From there, I went out into the parking lot, and somebody said, hey, Kent. And a man who I know walked up and we prayed for his daughter who was having heart surgery. As I was walking to the van to put the, or to the pickup to put the kids in, there's a lady in a blue van and I said, Lord, should I, do you want me to talk to her? Yes. I walked up and she's doing needlepoint. I could see that. I'm, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box, but I knew what she was doing. But you know what I did? I said, what are you doing there? Oh, I'm doing needlepoint. I said, really, tell me a little bit about it. And then she did, and I said, well, why are you here? Well, my husband's in at an appointment. And, and I said, really? I said, so, so what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you today? And she goes, well, I really don't have it. My grandson, Carl, needs a kidney transplant. He's dying. He's been on dialysis for seven years. Seven years, she said. And he's coming to the end. And I thought, oh, Lord. Took this grandmother's hand, and she's still in the car. And Danny and Victoria are standing right there believing with me. And we prayed for her. 
And I got back in the truck and I took the kids home and then I met Phil an hour later at Caribou and I asked the little guy at the cashier if he would, at the counter, if he'd like prayer. And I think I scared him to death. I told Phil, I think he almost peed his pants. <laughs> but we told him we loved him and that Jesus loved him. And I prayed for another man that came into Caribou. And then as I was walking out the door, Phil and I were standing together, and I just sensed in my spirit, I just said, Lord, I, I feel like there's one more person. And there was a gentleman walking toward us, and I said, God, is this him? And I just, I didn't get that confirmation. So Phil got in his car, and I jumped in my truck, and I started driving out. And there's this little Murphy's USA there, that little gas station, and across the road from the gas station, still right there in the parking lot, is a mailbox, and underneath it was this young lady wearing a yellow vest. And the Lord said, that's her, pull up. God had been giving me the word to sorrow all day. Two or three times, to sorrow, gas station had come back to me. Well, I recognized this girl, but I couldn't tell, remember where it was from. I meet so many people. I rolled the window down, and I said, what are you doing sitting there? She goes, well, I'm on break. I work at Murphy's USA. She said, I haven't been at Tesoro for a year. And I knew. I said, come up here. Jesus has something for you today. And she stood, and we talked, and she told me she was homeless, living in a shelter with her kids. And I said, can I pray for you? She goes, oh, please, please pray we prayed for provision, and God put it on my heart. And after I went home, Chantel said, we're going to get her apartment for her. She said, can I hug you? She ran over and put her arms around me. I gave her one of the bracelets like this that has the plan of salvation, gave her a Bible and started walking her through it, and she had to get back to work. I said, we'll be in touch with you. She said, thank you. Yesterday was the same thing happened. Just by walking up, I had seven more encounters with people and prayed with them. I gave a hitchhiker a ride. I, I was in Walmart. I prayed with three employees, and, and, and then all of a sudden someone started saying, Pastor Dudley. And I turned around, and there's a lady sitting on that little bench right by the ice machine as you're going outside. I was praying with the greeter, and I prayed for his mother because she has heart issues. And he was just touched. He said, man. And right while I was praying, this lady's calling my name, and I sat down, I put my arm around her, and I said, how you doing today? And she says, well, I said, I can't remember you. And she says, my name's Bonnie. I said, well, how can I pray for you, Bonnie? And she broke and just wept and sobbed. She said, my husband is abusing me. This lady was 75 years old. She said, I'm in an abusive situation. So Pastor Steve, I was able to tell her about a father who loves her and values her and cares deeply about her, and we prayed, and she just cried and cried. And when I got in the car, I said, Lord, I don't know if that's it, but if not, show me. I had made it to the intersection, and there was a hitchhiker, and there he was, pulled over, threw his junk in for the next 25 miles. 
talked to him about how much Jesus loved him. And he told me how he got hung up in Ironwood, Michigan, and he couldn't get to Bemidji hardly. He's heading to Missoula where his praying mother was waiting for her prodigal to come home. I said, if you wouldn't have got hung up in Missoula, you wouldn't have been with me today. Or in uh, Ironwood, I said, you wouldn't be in my truck today. So I said, God had an appointment. And we prayed, and I gave him some money, and he went on his way from Bagley. It's not hard, guys. I'm not a brain surgeon or a rocket science man. One word, say it again, love. Say it, love. The greatest of these is love. I got to go over to poor Willie's and pray with the bartender. And some dirty rat beat me there and had already prayed with them. I don't know who that scoundrel was, Bush, but if it's you, we're going to have words. He knew Jesus loved him twice that day. Yesterday at Walmart, the teller said, you're the second one that asked if I needed prayer. There was somebody here last week praying for me. I told my uh, Phil, I said, how about if we drove through the drive-thru and every time you handed them the money, you just said, how can I pray for you? Jesus loves you. What if 10 Christians did that to that one person every day? Can we open our mouth? Can we testify of his love? What stops us from doing that? We need to be baptized in his love. I went to my truck yesterday after I prayed with Bonnie, and I stood outside my truck, and you would think I would be shouting and rejoicing. You know what I did? I hung my head. I said, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for the opportunities that I have missed to just show your love. Forgive me. And then he said, get in the truck. I got more for you to do. <laughs> I know you can talk. I've heard some of you. Amen? This is not a movement, something new. Jesus might have thought of this 2,000 years ago when he said, I'm going to give you power over demons, power over the enemy, power to heal. Now go out and tell them about my kingdom. Do you think we may just have not been doing everything that he's asked us to do? Because we don't want persecution, right? Wade that I talked to from Dallas, here's what burnt my heart. A lot of people in Bemidji know me and my wife and my family. They know me for being a singer, a preacher. They know me for doing a lot of things, but I wonder if they know me, Joyce, for someone who loves deeply. This Wade said he lives in a town about the size of Bemidji, and he said, every person in my town knows me, not because I'm famous or do great things, but he says, I've probably prayed for just about all of them. He said, I never go to town to go shopping. 
I go to town to share Jesus, and then I'll do a little shopping. I never go to Dan's to get my car worked on. I go to Dan's to pray with Dan, and then if he has time afterwards, he can work on my car. It's a mindset, isn't it? It's a total transformation. That better be Jesus calling, whoever's getting that phone call. That's all right. When I'm... So, who else has a testimony of what happened this week to you? And who else has a testimony of what you're going to continue to do? Anybody? Bob, come on up. Wait a minute. I'll let Artless go first. This was cool. Um, they asked, they asked um, to close your eyes and just ask the Lord, wait on the Lord to find out where to go. When I did that, the first thing I saw was a crayon. Then they asked us to do it again, and I saw a sidewalk. And I thought, well, that's really different. Obviously, I'm going to find writing on a sidewalk <laughs> with a crayon, right? Anyway, we were sent to a special spot, the ice cream shop across from Bahal and Babe. And um, we went inside. We talked to a couple people. We felt we were supposed to go outside, and um, my leader went to some people sitting at a table. I went to the left out the door, and there was a man holding his child. And so I went over to talk to him and to share with him. And as I'm looking at him and his little boy, the two gals that were with came with me. And um, this little boy was just amazing. He just reached out his arms. And I took him from his father. I said, is it OK if I hold him? And he melted into my arms. I mean, it was the love of God radiating from him to me and me to him. And he didn't want to let go. He didn't want to want to go back. And I was a stranger to him, you know. Finally, I handed him back to the father. And we shared about the band and gave the scripture and the little the mom and the little girl came out, so they got that too. And we gave him the invite to the pig roast. Anyway, um, the little boy leaned over again. So I reached out my arms and I held him one more time. And it was a God moment. The love of God just penetrated into that child. It was so beautiful. And the two gals that were with me, they just marveled. They said, the countenance of this child so God was doing something very special for that little boy. And I didn't realize till I went out with Pastor Stephen Joyce the next night, the crayon stood for child, and we were out on the sidewalk. The Holy Spirit led the way. One other point that was so strong this week is encountering other Christians on the street. And, you know, and sometimes we have a mindset that, well, I, I just want to get those that are lost or down and out or struggling and not believers. But I encountered several Christians and was able to encourage them. And it seemed like they were touched sometimes as much or more than the others because they would just say, I can't believe you're out here doing this. I can't believe you cared enough to stop. I drove up into Black Duck on 
Wednesday afternoon when we left lunch here after we went to Poor Willie's and we prayed with Joan for a minute and then we went up to Black Duck and just said, Lord, and I had my daily encounter with a Jehovah Witness couple, which was cool, three and three days, so I got to minister to them. And then I, we pulled into Anderson Fabrics and I said, Lord, what do you want? And just like that, Lorraine Roach walked up to my car out of nowhere and after Lorraine, she goes, I, she goes, well, you can't go in because they're working. I said, well, that's all right. God, you know, whatever. She goes, but here comes another Christian couple. We prayed for them. They had a decision to make. And, and, and she was just blown away. She says, I can't believe you guys are doing this. So then we went to Choice Therapy. I went into Cease Funeral Home. Um, where else did we stop? Anyway, several stops in Black Duck before we went back to Bemidji. But I encountered that day a lot of Christians and encourage them. And that's what this is about this morning, is to light a fire of encouragement in your heart. This is not my calling. This is everyone's calling, okay? Every one of you. If you're fearful, then guess what? Fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps, right? Fear is a liar. That verse, did we find that one from Proverbs 28.1? It calls the righteous courageous like lions. We are called to be courageous it's up there now. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Let's let God bring that up in us. Dad, they're pointing at each other. We're all doing it. Yeah, I guess I get to be the spokesman. I was trying to get Joshua to share here, but I'll just say, guys, you know, I, I see... Sometimes we feel a little Norwegian, but you, even Norwegians can do this. This is really not hard. This is not rocket science. But uh, I did, actually, we don't have to have a tussle because I didn't take on your bar guy, so I was in Black Duck also. But I took with me one of the leader's kids, an 11-year-old, 14-year-old, and a 19-year-old. What a treat. These kids live this stuff. And we, we stopped at different places that we did. One of them was a, a food produce sand. We asked if we could pray for them. They said, they know you, Dan. Uh, the guy deals with honey and stuff like that. And they said, yeah, it's going pretty slow here. Can we pray for you any, for anything? And uh, they didn't really have anything specific. But I said, I pray that you, you prosper in your business, that it explodes beyond comprehension. As soon as we, we were there, three cars pulled in, and it was steady traffic continuously all the way through. Every time we went by there, the thing was just loaded. Well, we also walked into the General Dollar, and Bobby Joe works there as a manager. She welcomed prayer in there. We prayed with her, gave it a wristband for her daughter, and we prayed with people there. So it's really not hard. It really is part of our DNA. It is, well, I'm not a Bob or a Kent. I mean, we, you, know, you guys do your thing, and we'll do our thing. But our thing is for the world out there. If we're going to sit here and get fat and sassy, we've got to get that food out to the people. 
Otherwise, they're going to starve to death, and they're not going to get to get to heaven without the message, because we have the message. Why hide the message? Take the message off the shelf and release it out there. We need to release it out there. Our church is always promoting to go out there. It's time to go out there. And so when we went to Hardy's, this older gentleman, about 80-some, maybe 90, I don't know, we were teasing him. We're going to pay him for his meal. We paid for his meal. He sat with us and shared his heart for 20 minutes. And he said, my, I was told today, one of the worst days in my life, that my wife has Alzheimer's. Opportunity, Joshua prayed with him, and the boys laid hands on him. We're activating our kids. We're activating our family. So now the atmosphere, the window is open for us to be alert. We need to wake up and we need to go into that Walmart with intention. And the thing is that we need to rip off of our shoulders, and I'm getting really blunt, is the busy, tired badge. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because when you're out there giving the message of Jesus Christ, he is going to multiply your time. You're going to get your projects done. You will get your projects done because you're putting him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. That's an additive. You know, projects are important and all, and we have to do our thing. We have to do our work thing. But be intentional taking that time. I'm going to take an extra 15 minutes because God has an assignment. It could change somebody's life. It could radically change. So one more thing. When we were in prayer at uh, Revive, and I was in prayer, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the, co in the conversation, I, I, I felt I was supposed to answer this call. I don't usually do that in a prayer meeting, and usually I turn it down, but I didn't. But it came out. The kids that I've had on my bus for like eight years, I've been having a really strong in my heart, saying, God, I really want to connect with them outside of the bus world, because I can only do so much in the bus world. They called me, and took, Dakota came with us boys yesterday, and we went to an event together, and he said, I just want to hang out with you. He brought his sister, and now he has another brother, and he would just fire it up, and it was a Christian event that we went to, and he was raising hands, and he was engaged. We need to be ready for what's going to happen out there. Revival is never going to happen if we stay the same way that we are. So we've got to get our feet out of the muck and get into that place where God, and, and not all of you are evangelists. You don't have to do it that way. You can do it in whatever way. How hard is it to say, can I pray for you? I mean, anybody can say that out of their mouth. And God will prompt you at the right time. Don't be wacky and weird about it, but just listen to the Spirit of the living God. So when you have love, listen, discern, and respond. That's what it is all about. It's a, oh, hmm, sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. You might get to preaching if I'm not careful. Two more things. We were at Paul and Babe, and I was praying with a guy, and this is God. This is God. Our God's so cool. And Josh is playing guitar. Kids are around. They're giving out donuts. See, there's a million ways to love on people. And then you just share the Lord with them. And Chantel's feeling left out. She said, Lord, who can I pray with? Who can I pray with? Who can I pray with? And her phone rang. You told me that when the phone rang. So she reaches in and gets her phone. And the lady says, hey, how's your foot doing since you got your cast off? She said, well, I don't have a cast. I didn't have one. Oh, you do too. You have a cast. What do you Don't quit teasing me. Blah, blah, blah. She goes, it was the wrong number. She said, well, what's your number? And Chantel told her hers, and she had flip-flopped two of the numbers. Chantel spent 30 minutes on the phone with her and prayed with her. 
God can ordain and line up things you would not believe. You were talking about the teenage girls. I was out with Wade from Texas and two teenage, one 13, one 16-year-old on um, Friday afternoon, I believe it was. And the little 13-year-old girl says, let's go into Culver's. I think we need to go into Culver's. So we said, all right, we're going to Culver's. So we went in and bought a pop, and, and Wade prayed for the kid at the, the cashier. We went and sat down at the table. Now, listen to this. This is amazing. Two weeks before the event, I was out mowing my lawn, and a gentleman came on my mind that I had not thought about probably in 15 years. He was a convicted pedophile, and he's in jail for having molested his stepchildren. I hadn't thought about him for that long. And I even said, Lord, why is he on my mind? What is, what's the point? I prayed. I thought maybe I need to find him. Well, that passed. We're sitting in Culver's, and this young man named James was working. I said, James, come on over here. And I said, how can we pray for you today, James? What's going on in your life? And he's going to school and blah. And he goes, Bertie, come here. And he called over this other young lady. And you would not believe whose daughter that was. The gentleman that came on my mind two weeks before. And she was so open. We talked to her for 10 or 15 minutes and we prayed for her. And she was fighting, letting Christ. She says, my boyfriend's always witnessing to me, but I'm just not ready to surrender. And we said, do you think it's an accident that God sent us to talk to you today? She said, no. I said, that's how much Jesus loves you. We prayed with five employees in Culver's and probably four or five customers before we left. It's that easy. What are we doing? What are we doing with our time? Do you know what they said about busy? They said a busy pastor is a lazy pastor. Ouch. A busy pastor is a lazy pastor. And I'm sure we can put that down the ranks into every other life that is sitting here today. If that's our catchphrase, and we're using that as an excuse not to do God's work, that's not cool. Because God didn't call us to be busy. He called us to go and share his kingdom with the lost. We're all equipped. If you have God in your life, Jesus in your heart, the Holy Spirit, you got it. You got it. You got it. Everywhere we go, we could touch thousands. Can you imagine in one year's time, if we catch a hold of this, what 10 Strike was going to be like, what Bemidji is going to be like, what Bagley's going to be like? They're doing this in Laporte and Walker in August. Can you imagine if every Christian in every church, not 10 Strike Church, not this church, not that church, in the church of Jesus Christ, if we would all just open our mouth in love, What's the first word? Say it again. Love. If anything motivates us to do it other than love, 
we're going to miss it. And we're going to burn out. We'll be like a, a candle. Psh, the flash in the pan in the old guns. Psh, gone. Gets really hot for a minute and goes away really quick. Just let this motivate you today in Jesus' love, in his love. I, I'm excited. I'm excited to these young people just to share the love of God. And I could ramble all day about it, but I'm going to quit. So, Pastor Steve, yes. good luck with your message. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Tonight, oh, yeah. Thank you, Arla. I forgot to announce. Tonight at 6 o'clock at Mount Zion, the tent's coming down tomorrow. But we're going to have a unity meeting tonight. And it's going to be worship and prayer. And it's, it's really to try to show people this isn't about just one church or two churches or three churches. It's about a lot of different people. But from now on, you're probably not going to get invited to a lot of prayer meetings. You're not going to get invited to a lot of worship nights. What's probably going to happen in the future in Bemidji is you're going to get invited to a night where we pray for a while, we worship for a while, and we go out in teams to minister, and then we come back to tell what God did. How's that sound? Because it's pretty safe doing this, isn't it? Even this is safe. But, I mean, here's really safe. And pray for somebody. But then let's put boots to it. Six o'clock tonight. This is going to be a night of encouragement, of challenge, of kind of direction. And then we're, we're going. And do it tomorrow. Do it this afternoon when you leave here. When you stop for gas on the way home, let these words just, how can I pray for you today? You don't have to beat them on the head. Let the Holy Spirit just listen then. They said, don't go in with any agenda. Just listen. Then discern and respond to that person. So that's under the tent tonight, Mount Zion Church, 6 o'clock. And I also had one other announcement here. Lowell, O'Brien asked just to uh, give a big thank you to the congregation for the birthday card and for... We gave him... It's his 96th birthday, so we gave Lowell a $96 gift certificate to a local store here. So he wanted to say thank you for that. But, um, Pastor Dean, could you get the revival song back up? And team, could you just go up as I'm closing here? Um, I was going to say, 36 years ago, Many of you have heard of this, but I, I had, it was like a vision and a word, very strong. Give out? Is it back? Okay. Um, preparing for the next day, it was a Saturday evening, and the word, prepare for revival, and I believe we're prepared. You know, that was 36 years ago. We probably have been prepared a long time. And so then what's the thing, you know? 
it's it's what we're talking about here. It just and and you know, for some of us, this may seem like a mountain, like Peter was talking about. But uh, how do you get to the top of the mountain? One for you, you had a first step you took, right? There was a last step, but you took a first step. And that, that may be where some of us are. But we are to radiate, be radiant here in northern Minnesota. This is, he's calling us all. And uh, share this with brothers and sisters that aren't with us today. You know, this time of year, many are on trips, vacations, camping. I know some are. But uh, just be sharing it. You can hear it online, too. But, Pastor uh, Steve, just one thought. If there's anybody here who's timid or you're afraid, if you want to go out with people that are comfortable, do that. You don't have to say a word. Just be there and pray and watch and observe, and something will change in you. I'll guarantee it. Something in you is going to rise up like that lion, that courageous lion, and you will be the one then leading teams. And some may just, you know, like Adam and Vicki were leading the prayer walking before us, some may just begin by prayer walking through Walmart or wherever, <laughs> but you might not, you probably won't be surprised that there'll be somebody the Lord is drawing you to somehow that you could share the love of the Lord. But I'm going to read a scripture from Romans 10, starting in verse 13, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without someone to proclaim it? It says the word preacher, but so often again there you think of, well, the one behind a pulpit, but that's not what this is. It's someone to tell it. And how shall they tell it unless they are sent? Well, we're saying we're all sent. How beautiful on the how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings to the good of good things. I think the original from the Old Testament says how beautiful on the mountains. Hallelujah. Let's stand and we'll close by singing this song that just uh, Walk in your life, not just talk about it.